all gave up his rights, the right to be free, the right to for the sake of the gospel, and that's an illustration of what the Corinthians should do, giving up their political right, the idle me at the expense of the well-being of their brethren. Now, he moves on to another illustration. In my judgment, the next illustration, uh, and I'm not sure if i got a slide that really shows as well, okay. Uh, look at the idea of that, this slide that there are two reasons not to eat idly. Don't eat because your brother give up your right, like Paul did. Look at the bottom. Don't eat because of the Lord. It's idolatry. And he uses a couple of illustrations of the runner in the race and the Israelites in the wilderness uh, that illustrates the idea of giving up things that will hurt us in reaching the prize that will hurt our relationship to the Lord. So I think it's principle to illustrations. Two illustrations, principle. Principles are don't eat because you love your brother and don't eat because of the Lord. The illustrations for the first are I'm free and I'm an apostle, but I gave up those rights. The illustrations for the second one are like a runner, not like the Israelites, and then he comes to the principle. That may help some. It'll help more as we go through it to see it. Chapter 9, when somebody read 24 to 27. Will ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as un uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself Okay. So for this illustration, Paul switches to the stadium. And he's talking about disciplining yourself so that you're not disqualified. He makes comparisons between a runner in a race and Christians. And uh, he compares the effort involved. In verse 24, when you run in a race, you realize only one receives the prize, so you run to win. There is not an automatic connection between running and winning. It's not enough just to run. You've got to run fast. You know, you run for your life. You know, don't uh, just amble nonchalantly around the track and expect a trophy for participation. A runner in the games runs to be the one who wins. Now, you think about the kind of effort people put into athletics. I've, I've used this as an illustration for 30 years. When I uh, first started preaching, the church where I was had, we had about three high school wrestlers on a wrestling team that was good. In fact, one of those wrestlers got third in the state in his weight class in Indiana in 1983, probably. And uh, their practices, you know, their daily after-school practices, started with starting one end of the gym, running to the other, dropping down and doing 30 push-ups, 
running back and dropping down and doing 30 sit-ups and repeating that 30 times. That was the beginning of the practice. You know why they were a good wrestler? They were really good. One of the best in the state. And uh, that's why. They worked hard at it. You know, and, and, and that's a lot. But you understand, if you want to be a top-flight wrestler in Indiana, that's what's going to take. You know, you fight through the pain. We say no pain, no pain. You have to put forth intense effort to win. Now, we've got to do that for a much greater prize. And we went out too easily. I think that's a problem for us as Christians. You know, we talk about Bible study. It's like, oh man, it's just not easy for me. I just don't read very well. I don't like it very much. I don't like going on. It's a lot of effort. We talk about, you know, honesty. And, well, you know, it's just hard to tell the truth all the time. You know, I mean, sometimes it just kind of slips out. You know, that little white line. You think about it. What if... Think about everything you want. Think about the top five things you want. You know, some of you are young enough, you want your license. Maybe you like a car. Some of you want a house. Some of you want to get married to a really wonderful woman or man. You know, think about the top five things you want. What if all of those rested on whether you were honest for two months? Absolutely honest. Not a lie at all. Could you be honest for two months if everything you wanted rested on that? You know, we talk about how hard things are. Well, it depends on whether you want them or not. We can do a lot when we're motivated. You think about sensuality. You know, that's a problem for a lot of us. But you know, if we were more motivated, if we're, we were as motivated to live for the Lord as we are to win in athletics, we could stop. If you get if you get a million dollars, if you didn't look at something you shouldn't on the internet, and that's till the end of January, you reckon you could probably handle it? Even if you're super, super, super addicted. I mean, the lot of things you do, if, if you decide to, we think it's kind of fanatical to put forth that much effort to please the Lord. But we don't think it's so fanatical to be a great wrestler. Paul's point is, you put forth that kind of effort to win the race. Why don't you put forth that kind of effort to win the incorruptible crap? He talks about the self-control. In verse 25, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things to receive a perishable grief. You deny yourself lawful pleasures. No sacrifice is too great. In the Isthmian games near Corinth, the victory wreath was made, I understand, of withered celery. Now, if these athletes were willing to deny themselves and discipline themselves for some pathetic crowd of withered vegetables. Surely we can discipline ourselves for the incorruptible crown that belongs to the Lord. 
or verse 26 therefore I run in such a way as not without aim I box in such a way as not beating the air you think about the purpose the focus the goal orientation of the athlete every stride is purposeful every blow must count you're boxing you don't want to just be thrashing at the air you use your fist in earnest and the blow hits the mark. You know, we're not talking about some occasional jogger who appreciates the value of a good run now and then. We're talking about the athlete who has everything focused on the goal. What about us? Do we have purpose and focus and definition in our life? Direction. You know, if somebody said to you today, and you were honest, how are you doing spiritually? How many of us would say, well, I've got to hold my own. You know, I do that. It's got to go a lot farther than that. Uh, there's a world to convert. There's Christians to strengthen. There's serious steps that it takes to grow and glorify God and serve. That, he's saying, this takes discipline, effort, and purpose. And we understand it in athletics, and that's for the perishable ground. And to accomplish those goals, verse 27, I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You know, Paul made his body obey him. He gained self-control over the things that would weaken him. We're not talking about asceticism. We're not talking about just some sort of self-punishment just to, to, to you know, uh, hurt ourselves so we feel better about ourselves. Plenty of people doing that sort of thing. That's not helpful at all. What we're talking about is controlling our body to do the right thing. Our body should obey us. I love Romans 6. Take the members of your body, you know, your fingers, your hands, your, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your tongue. Make the members of your body instruments of righteousness. We have to get down to brass tacks and make our body do what we're supposed to make it do. Because Paul said, I do that so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You could be a preacher of righteousness, but the message not affect your own mind. It is possible that Paul could be lost, notwithstanding his work as a preacher, his conversion, his call to apostleship. Those things don't guarantee his eternal salvation. This is again not one saved, always saved. If that were true, then he could not be disqualified. Well, he could be disqualified, even the Apostle Paul. So he, he disciplines and controls his body to do what he ought to do. It's a great passage in itself, and a great passage in terms of the overall context we're headed Thoughts and comments? Yes? Well, we look at the passages of uh, the parable of the vineyard and the time when Jesus is rebuking the disciples... Uh, because they're arguing about who the best disciple is. When you think about it, this passage is not so much talking about, you know, be the best Christian um, compared to others. 
they'll be the best Christian that you can be as an individual. Yes, amen. Good point. Other thoughts? Eric? Can you guys give me the context Paul is talking about how he's given up his right to be supported? That these are the kind of mental disciplines he had to do in order to give up his freedom? And that in the context would apply to those things as well? I think it's mostly looking forward to the discipline it takes to flee from idolatry. I really think he's moving forward. Other thoughts? Okay, uh, second illustration. The Israelites in the wilderness, chapter 10, verses 1 to 13. 